This morning we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and so if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, the last several weeks we have been looking at worship in the New Testament and throughout the Bible, but primarily in the New Testament, and we saw how with worship um, we have a responsibility to worship individually. We each, every single one of us, have a responsibility to worship individually. And then we also have a responsibility uh, to worship as a family. We have a responsibility. We see all throughout Scripture the, the commands for uh, parents to teach their children in the Lord and for them to teach them the ways of the Lord. And uh, we, we, we specifically looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 to look at that. Um, so that's some of the time we spent in the Old Testament. Uh, and then we went to the New Testament and we looked at not only do we have a responsibility to worship individually, and as families, but we have a responsibility to worship corporately and in, to, to see the best way of doing that, to see what that might look like, actually look like in heaven, uh, we went to Revelation, and we spent three weeks there looking at worship throughout the book of Revelation. And so during that time, while we were looking at our responsibility to worship, um, one of the things that we were talking about as a discipleship team is... Um, this, this, this came out of those discussions, and so I want us to spend the next few weeks uh, looking at the, the truth that the New Testament teaches that every single person who is a Christian, who is a member of a church, and I am the pastor here, and so it's my responsibility, as you will see in this sermon, uh, to lead this congregation, and so I'm speaking to this church and I will say that biblically, every member is a minister. Now, we'll define what that means because what the Bible calls a minister and what we might mean when we say minister might be two different things. And so uh, just to be upfront about it, um, not every member of our church is a pastor, right? Not every member of our church is a preacher or a teacher, um, we, we have different gifts, but every member of our church is a minister. And minister is someone who does ministry. Minister is defined in the Bible in different ways. We're not just called ministers. We're called ambassadors for Christ. We're called, we're called several different things that show that we each, every single one of us, have the responsibility of ministering to the Lord and for the Lord. Of, of serving him and worshiping him, yes, but also in serving others. And we all have a, a place to fit. We all have a role to play in the local church. Now, it doesn't have to be this local church, but it needs to be a local church. Now, if you're a member here, then it's this local church, right? This is where you, you belong. This is your body. And so we're to let that play out here. And so as we're looking in um, Ephesians chapter 4, I want us to keep in mind that every single one of us has a responsibility. Every member is a minister. Every member a minister. That's going to be the refrain over the next few weeks. All right, so look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is Paul writing this, and you'll see uh, that he is writing this uh, as several of his letters as a prisoner. He says this in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, when we look at this verse, 
you might think he's writing to another leader, right? Because this is a, a heavy verse. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. We know Paul's doing his part. He's doing his part so well that he's been thrown in prison for it. And so he's saying that he urges you, church, me, you, all of us, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And you might be thinking, well, I haven't been called. I'm not called to ministry. I haven't been called to ministry. Because that's what we say, right? That I, I, even me, when I'm talking about my call to ministry, I'm talking about when God called me to be a pastor. But biblically, we're all called to ministry. We're not all called to be pastors, but we're all called to use the gifts that God has given us for his glory, for the building up of the church. And we're going to talk about this more as we go on. And really, I don't have to do much preaching this morning. We're just going to look at what the scripture says because the scripture is pretty clear about this. Um, so verse 2, with all humility, so how are we to live out this calling and what does this walking in a manner worthy of this look like? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So here's one of those one another's. So we see that this is to be lived out in the context of one another. And spoiler alert, it's the church. This is to be lived out in the context of local churches. Now, now, I can't be a member of 10 local churches because I'm not in 10 different locations at one time, right? I have a home. This home that home is Mansfield, and I'm a member of this church, as many of you in this room are, and, and so we have a responsibility um, to live out the calling that God has given us, to live worthy of the manner to which we've been called, and to do it in this way, with these characteristics, humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. Then look at verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We should be eager to maintain unity. The unity of the Spirit. We should be eager to maintain it. When someone is doing something that we don't like, we shouldn't be eager to just let them know exactly why we don't like it. Although, in, we should be assertive and in gentleness and with love, talk about those things. But we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because it makes no sense for us to attack ourselves because we're one body. And so how silly would it look if I did something wrong and then I spat my own hand, or smacked my own hand for, for it? Right? That, it, it doesn't make sense. And, and in essence, that's what we're doing when we're not striving for unity is we're fighting against ourselves when we're, when we're going at each other for no reason a lot of times. And so um, I sense, maybe I'm wrong, but I sense that in, in here this morning that we do have a spirit of unity. I believe that, that most of us in this room are eager to serve God, to serve the local church, to see him use us, and to see what might come of that. And so, um, I, I know I'm, I'm rushing through these verses, but I, wanna, I, I want us to see some things before we transition. I, I'll slow down, Minka, if you want me to. Um, but I want us to look, at, we're going to read through verse 6, and I'm going to keep going pretty quickly through, through verse 6. And in these verses, I want you to pay attention to unity. 
I want you to pay attention to oneness, okay? Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right, so I want to pause there and let's look at in verses 4 through 6. There's a couple of words that come up over and over and over again. Um, Someone say one of those words if if you're looking at verse 4 through 6. One, what's another one? All, yes. One, all. Those are uniting words. I mean, they could be divisive too. Like if I say all of you stink, uh, that's not good, right? Uh, But at least you all stink together. And so it's unifying also. And so, but we're one, one, one. Who's our example? One Lord. Even though there's a trinity, right? Three persons, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're perfectly united. They're perfectly in harmony. And so we, we serve God, and we look to his example of unity, of oneness, and that's how we, as a church, is, we're supposed to be. And so there should be this unity. There should be this oneness. But look at verse 7. He goes from saying one, 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 all, 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 to then turning it on its head, but grace was given to each one of us. Each one. Right? So this isn't calling toward unity. This is calling out the individual. Each one. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, this isn't saying, you know, how much God loves us or something like that. Uh, Christ has saved us all. We all deserved hell equally, and Christ saved us equally from that. If, if we have put our faith in him and our trust in him, if we, are, if we are saved, then we're all saved equally in the sense of none of us will be going to hell and all of us will be going to heaven. Uh, but he does give us different gifts. And we're going to talk about that. And, and so I'm going to use an illustration. And I have not prepared anyone for this. And so I'm going to ask a few people to come up to the front. Uh, Matt. <laughs> Mickey. <laughs> Who's laughing? I might, I might call them up. Huh? Sarah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm purposely finding people who don't want to be in front of people. Uh, and then Megan, you or Colt, either one, but y'all got to figure it out. I mean, y'all been married for a few months. You can, you can do this. Oh, well then. <laughs> All right, this is good. This is good. All right, now, uh, I need y'all to talk for one second and to determine who you're going to bring from the crowd. It can be anybody. And so y'all, yeah, but you have to figure that out together. So, uh All right, while they're talking, I want us to look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, these gifts that he has given to each one of us, and we're going to look more at what the Scripture says about these gifts in just a moment. Um, Y'all have somebody? All right, who? Colt. Colt. Sorry, Colt. Bobby. Oh, y'all picked the wrong person. Y'all about to lose this game. 
Bobby's about to whoop all y'all. All right. So anyway, hey, Colt, how's it going? I didn't even know you carried a purse, Bobby. All right, so uh, in this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, we see that we're one, 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 right, all, all, and yet we each have been given a gift. All right, now we're not, we're not doing two different teams, this is uh, everyone against everyone, all right? And so, <laughs> I didn't say it was WWE, I just said, all right, so we're going to start with Mickey on that end, and so y'all just pass the green mic between the three of y'all and the red mic between the three of y'all. All right, easy game. All you have to do is name a part of a car. That's it. Any part of a car, go. Engine. You can't repeat it. Muffler. Canutinary valve. <laughs> I told you, he's going to win it. Steering wheel. The tire. Rim. <laughs> Window. Lug nut. Transmission. Door handle. <laughs> A seat. <laughs> Headlights. Oh, that was close. I almost called you out. <laughs> Gear shift. Axle. Tire. Seat warmer. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Tire's already been named. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one warning. So there's your warning. Bumper. Seat warmer. Seat warmer. That's awesome. Is a tensioner belt? Is that right? It works. Let's okay. go. <laughs> Tail lights. Speed honor. Oil. Antifreeze. Uh, trunk. The unlock button. <laughs> Guess. Tachometer. Spark plug. Speedometer. Uh, I think, yes, speedometer has already been said, so you're out, Bobby. Right. <laughs> Keep going, Sarah. Air conditioner. Uh, I don't think I know anything else. All right, you're out. Okay. <laughs> Gas tank. Radio. Window. Wait, window, that's your warning. Window's already been said. Sunroof window. She didn't get a warning. Well, she said she didn't know, so that's a, you know, uh, you're out. Uh, uh, Are y'all cheating wind, over here? Windshield buffer. I'm going to have to disqualify some people. Anybody say seats? <laughs> yes, so there's your warning. Speakers. Condenser. Gear shift. Oh, has that been said? All right. So you're out. You're out. Uh, wiper fluid. Wait. 
Has that been said? Okay, you're good. I'm sorry. Oh. I can't think of anything else. Okay. Oh, it's down to the brave two. All right. Dryer. The button that moves your seat. That is a thing. Orifice tube. He could be making this up. I don't know anything about cars. Phalange. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Are you out? Yeah. All right. Good job. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. Will you turn that, will you turn that mic off for me? You just hold the button down. All right. Now, how many of you have ever had a spark plug go out on you? All right, any, I, I need a brave soul to make the noise that your car made when your spark plug went out. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's what it sounds like. If you didn't hear Darren, it, it's like. <laughs> it's just not, it's not firing, right? It's like something's missing. And, uh, and you don't even think about your spark plug, most of us, normal normal people who, you know, when I ask for a part of the car, they say seat. Um, people like me, y'all are my people, those of you who named buttons on the car. Um, you don't even notice those things most of the time when they're working, right? But when they're not working, do you notice? Uh, how many of you knew that a car had something called a wiring harness? Well, y'all are a lot smarter than me. You know how I found out that the car had something called a wiring harness? Because it went out, and it had to be replaced, and it was expensive. Uh, but when it went out, it went out. Uh, the car, you could be going down the interstate, and it's just it's going off. And so um, you don't see the wiring harness, right? It's under the hood, under the dash. You don't see it, uh, but it's there, and it's important, Right? When we look at a car, we see that there are some things that are very visible. Um, anybody go to the car show that was here in Mansfield a couple of weekends ago? Um, there were some really pretty sweet-looking cars there. There are some of them that you notice big time. You notice them uh, because they're beautiful, like uh, old Mustangs, old Camaros, you know. Man, those, anyway, uh, and then there were some there that weren't even, they didn't look appealing. But it wasn't about what they looked like. It was about what was under the hood, right? And so they had this special kind of engine that if you were a gearhead that you would know about and I have no idea about. And so um, different parts play different roles inside of a car. They have different purposes. And you might not think that they're important, but they are important. And you guys know where I'm going with this, right? This is the church. The church is important. Each member is vital. Every member a minister. Every single one of us has a role to play. And you might not think that you're important, or we might not understand the importance of the people around us, but they're important. 
And sometimes we see their importance when they're not doing the role or playing the part that they're supposed to play, right? There are people right now I can think of that I miss deeply who have been a part of our church since I've been here and aren't here right now or not active right now for whatever reason. And then there are some of us in the room who maybe we've been active, maybe we've, we have been here, but maybe we've just been going through the motions. And that's good for a car, right? You want the spark plug to go through the motions and do what it's supposed to do. But that's not good for unity. That's not good for the body of Christ. We want to be doing what we're supposed to do and doing it with the right heart and doing it with the right motive to do it in worship. Because God really gets on to those people in the Old Testament who are going through the motions of religious ritual, of sacrifice, when their heart's not in it. And so, while there are some similarities between parts of the body of Christ and parts of a car, we, we need to realize that there are also a few differences. And so, let's look at verse 7 one more time. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What this means is, is that if you're a spark plug, you don't need everything that an engine needs, right? It's your different parts. You need what a spark plug needs. And God knows what you need to effectively be the part of the body that he has called you to be. And God has gifted you, graced to you, what you need to be who he has called you to be. Because he has called you to be a minister, and he has called you to be a minister in a specific way. And you might not even know what that way is right now. But you are called to be a, an active part of the body of Christ. You are called to play a role. And he has given you gifts. A gift for gifts. He has gifted you to do what he has called you to do. So verse 8. Therefore it says, and I'm just going to give you a little brief uh, uh, commentary on this. What he's about to say here. He's, he's, going, he's quoting something. Some people think that he's paraphrasing like all of Psalm 68. Some people, d- different people think different things about why he says this. Uh, but he is saying something about Jesus coming down to earth. And I say coming down. When he was born as a human, he came to earth, right? He had to leave heaven in order to become a man, to become human. And so he was born as a baby, and he grew up, and he was sent to the cross, he went willingly to the cross, and he gave his life on that cross, and then after his burial and his resurrection, he ascended back into heaven, and if he wouldn't have ascended, then who would not have come? The Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit came, he brought gifts, right? He brings gifts for each one of us, the gifts of the Spirit, all right? So, spiritual gifts. Let's start reading verse 8. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Then he gives a little commentary, starting in verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? It's saying in order for him to ascend, he had to become a human in the first place and descend. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now let's look at verse 11. Um, because he's, he's just told us that we wouldn't even have these gifts if it wasn't for Jesus becoming a human and dying on that cross and being resurrected and ascending into heaven and sending the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't even have gifts, but we do have gifts because he has done those things. And what 
or the, what do these gifts look like? What are the purpose of them? Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Okay? And I'm going to pause there, and I'm going to say that he is naming some, some leaders of the church here. Right? And you might be tempted to say, oh, well, look, these are the gifts that he's talking about. They're the ones that he gave the teachers. No. He gave the gifts, and he gave these people. He gave both the gifts and these people. And why did he give them? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He gave us gifts and he gave us leaders to equip who? The saints. Who are the saints? Not the New Orleans team. Us, the church. Every believer, every member, a minister. He gave you, me, and you're my, you might be thinking, man, what a gift. Uh, but, hey, you've got me. He gave you, me. I don't like the way April was just nodding. Uh, no. <clears throat> he gave you, me, and any other leaders who fit this uh, description in verse 11, he gave us to you to equip the saints, to equip all of us for the work of ministry. What do you call someone who does ministry? Yeah, a minister, a Christian, you, you name it. But who are the ministers? Who does the ministry? The saints. Everyone. All of us. It's, it's my job and I'm learning as I'm going, right? I'm trying to get better. I'm striving to be the minister that God has called me to be. And it's my job, along with other people who have give, been given these leadership-type gifts, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13. Now, uh, verses 11 through 16 in the original language in Greek is one sentence. That's a long sentence, but it's one sentence. And so I want to, us to read this, and, and there's so much here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to look at each part. Starting in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceit, deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it's the job of the pastor, of, of other leaders of that sort, to equip you, every single one of you, for us together to do the work of the ministry, for us to minister and build up the church into the person of Christ. Look back at Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
for building up the body of Christ. That is the church, right? The body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Paul uses this analogy just as I used the car earlier. He uses this, the analogy of the body. And, and so it's just a natural thing that we say all the time when we're talking about the church, the body of Christ. And he, his point is, is that Christ is one person, obviously, and we are his representatives here on earth. We are his body. We are his bride. And there's a bunch of us, and yet we're one. And Paul uses this when he's speaking to local churches, like the church at Rome, like the church at Corinth. He's, he uses this analogy for individual local churches, that you're one body. Because we're what we have right here, and we are to be together. We're to be united. We're to be one, as he is one. And we're to be working together. And so it's important for us to realize that we are one body, and it's the job of the pastor and, and leaders like that to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that when the pastor's doing his job, when each individual member is doing their job, when we're all working together, when we're all doing what God has called us to do, when we're using these gifts that, by the way, he gave his life so that we could have them, when, he, when we're using these gifts that he has freely given us by his grace, when we're using these gifts, we're doing it to build up the body of Christ. We're doing it to, to help pr- push forward this unity and this oneness and this working together. And what would this look like if every single one of us in this room took responsibility for our, not just our relationship with God and whether we love him or not, that's like a basic foundational thing. But what if every single one of us took responsibility for our relationship with God and also were good stewards of the gifts that he has given us and we use them not for our advantage, not for selfishly, but we use them for the good of the body of Christ. What would that look like? And so we have to take that into account here when we read these words, when we look at what Paul is saying about unity in the body, when we look at what he's saying about why God gave gifts and why God gave leaders, and that they're for the body, they're for us, so that we can work together to honor him and to glorify him in the way that he has called us to do. You want to know what the most beautiful worship on earth looks like? It's when his people, who have differences, who are each individuals, come together in unity, and agree and work together for his glory as one body, as a church. And what do you think the community is going to do when they see us doing that? They're going to know that's what it's supposed to be like. I mean, do you know how many people I have met in my life who thought they wanted nothing to do with Christ because of the way they saw the local church acting, and they equated the church with Christ. And by the way, not a bad guess at looking for Christ here on earth, looking to the church for it. But when the church is not in unity, when the church is divisive, when the church is fighting, when the church is demanding their own way, and the church is, is, is not about using the gifts for the building up of the body and not using the gifts for the glory of Christ, but they're saying, 
if I was a pastor and I came in here and I said, you're going to do this my way, this is how it's going to be, you need to serve me, there are pastors like that, right? I hope you've never had one, but there are pastors like that. Would, Would I be being the type of biblical pastor that God has called me to be if I had that attitude? No. What if I came in with, and I'm not saying I'm like this, saying this is the, the, the goal. What if I came in with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with you guys with love, as he says at the beginning of this chapter? Would that be a biblical pastor? Definitely. I have a responsibility as a pastor not to give in to the cultural expectations of what a pastor should be, but to be the pastor that the Bible says that I should be. And I don't always succeed at that. But I strive for it. And each one of you, just as I have a responsibility to be a pastor, and, and look, God holds pastors and teachers to, to a higher degree of accountability. We see that in Scripture. I will have to answer not only for my actions, but what I taught you to do or not to do. That's a scary thought. And so I'm not saying that there aren't some some differences between the roles or the gifts. I'm just saying that God has given us all a role, and he's given us all a gift, and they're all important. And you might not think that this role or this gift is as important as the pastoral or shepherding roles, the teaching roles. You might think that, but you would be wrong. And here's why I say that. It's just like the spark plug. Do you need an a engine? Yes. Do you need a spark plug? Yes. Do you need both? Yes. Can you, do you notice when the engine goes out? Sure. Do you notice when the spark plug goes out? Yes. We need each person to fill the role that God has called them to fill. And I've got to close up here because we're out of time. But look at what he says. What, what does it look like when we begin to use these gifts? And many of you are already using them. I could go around the room right now and say thank you to so many of you for the way that you serve God through our church, the way that you are faithfully the, the part of the body that he has called you to be, the way that you are using your gifts for his glory. So what would that look like if all of us were doing that? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, verse 13, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What would people see if we were all being the part of the body that God has called us to be? What would people see if we were all working together to be one body in Christ? They would see the mature person of Jesus. So when the community, not just our community, any community with any local church that is doing what I'm saying that we should do, when the community looks to the church trying to see God, who do they see? They see Jesus. They see Jesus in us. They see Jesus in the unity of the church. So we don't want to be children tossed to and fro by every single wind of doctrine, every human cunning, every deceitful scheme, everything that comes up. We don't want to be deceived by that stuff. We want to be mature. We want to be who God has called us to be. Rather, speaking the truth in love, this is verse 15, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
Some of us in here right now, it's time to grow up. It's time to be who God has called you to be. It's time to live in the fullness of that. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to stop just coming to church on Sunday mornings. It's time to stop just reaping the benefits of being a Christian, which would be, you know, going to heaven and having a relationship with God, things like that. And it's time to reap those benefits while serving him wholeheartedly. It's time to prepare here on earth for the type of worship that we read about the last few weeks in Revelation. It's time for us to obey him and live for him wholeheartedly in a way that shows other people this is what it's like to live for Jesus. This is what it's like to have a relationship with him. This is what salvation looks like. This is what living for him looks like. And when we're growing up into the head, who is Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, is it, is it the pastor who holds us together? No. It's Jesus who holds us together. I am just one more part of the body. Am I an important part? Yes. And so are you. Jesus is who holds us together. And he has given every single one of us a responsibility. My responsibility looks a specific way. I grant you that. I have an extra layer of responsibility. Sure, I get that. I'm not saying that I don't. But I'm saying that every single one of us in this room have a responsibility to live wholeheartedly for him in whatever way he has gifted you and called you to live that for him. So, together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How insane is that? That it's, when each part is working properly, it's no longer the gifts and the leaders who are helping you to grow up. The body itself is helping itself to grow up. In what? In love. What if we were that church? And hey, I'm very grateful for our church. I'm very glad for what we, who we are and, and who God has led us to be. I'm just saying I, I don't think we're there yet, right? As Paul said in Philippians 3, but I press on to make it my own. So in pressing on, in moving forward as a body, what is your role? What is your role individually so that we can be one body what is your role so that we don't make that sound that Darren made earlier when the spark plug was out what is your role to be the spark plug to be the seat to be the button that moves the seat to be all these other parts that we named earlier the gas tank all those things what is your role what has God called you to do Maybe you don't know. And to be honest, look, there are some, some gift tests, inventories type things that you can take that are out there, and they can be helpful, but, but they're not foolproof. And the best thing to do is to, to ask the people who love you, who have seen you work in the church, who have seen you be who God has called you to be. Ask them, what do I do well? What, is, what, is this, what do you think God has called me to be? And that's as good a place as any. 
to start serving and to start loving. And, and if that's not working for you, hey, try something else. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to figure out how you're called to serve, who you're called to be. But I can tell you one thing. I, I might not know how you're called to serve, but I know 100% for certain that if you are a Christian and you are a member of a local church, which those th- two things should be uh, together, if you're a Christian, you should be a member of a local church. I might not know how you're going to serve, but I can know for sure that God has called you to serve, that God has called you to minister. And so, how has he called you? What has he called you to do? What if every single person that was a member of this church used their gifts to the glory of God for his good? I honestly believe, I honestly believe this. And this isn't coming from a naive young person, okay? I might be a little naive, but I've been in ministry for 19 years. And I have gone through a lot of stuff in that 19 years. And I'm telling you from at least 19 years worth of wisdom that has been building up and that God has been building in me. That if we all did what God called us to do, we would drastically impact this community. Drastically impact this community. There would be less drug use, sure. There would be parents who gave more concern to their children, sure. But there would be people who were totally in love with Jesus. There would be people who were worshiping him the way that we've been reading the last few weeks. There would be more people in heaven and less people in hell. That's what we would see if we were all each playing the part that we are called to play. And, and what if we're not? What if, what if you... And your inaction or your, your lack of ministering the way that God has called you to do, what, what if that is the difference between a car that is running down the road, looking good, feeling fine, and one who's got a spark plug out that's just flopping along? So who has God called us to be? What are we doing? Because I believe that not only if we were all playing our part, will we impact our community, but I truly, truly, truly truly believe that we would impact the world. I truly believe that. That we would walk into our workplaces and the person of Christ would be all over us. And when people looked at us, they would be able to see Jesus reflected in our lives. They would know who to go to when they're having problems. And we would be raising up ministers, not only to minister here locally and to be leaders in our community and throughout the River Valley and the other the surrounding areas, but we would be sending out people to the ends of the earth, for God's glory. That's what we're called to do. I know I went a little long this morning. I'm just really excited and passionate about this. Because if all of us realize that we're all called to be ministers, that it's not just the pastor's job. And because of that, as we'll be looking at next week, because of some misconceptions, of some things that we have hired a pastor to do for us, we're not living up to our full potential. And when I say we, I mean church in general, not just our church. So that's where we're headed. But this morning, how should you respond to this message? How should you respond to the truth that you are a minister, that God has called every member to minister together to build itself up in love? Let's let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that you would help us to follow you and do what you have called us to do.
I pray that you would help us to be the church that you've called us to be. And in our unity, Lord, we know that we are also individuals and that we cannot obey for our neighbor. Our neighbor has to obey for himself or herself. So help each one of us not to look around and see what other people need to be doing, but help us right now to look within. Lord, and help us each to see what you have called each one of us to do. And I thank you that you descended. I thank you that you came here to this earth to give your life for us so that we could have life in you. I thank you that you died so that we could have and that you ascended so that we could have the Holy Spirit and we could have these gifts of the Spirit so that we can be the body that you've called us to be. Convict each one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You respond to God in whatever way he's leading. Do you need to pray? Come pray. Do you need to ask God, what is my gift? If, do you need to apologize for not using your gift? You respond to God in whatever way he's leading.